Thank you for joining us on this episode of MSP 1337, a podcast dedicated to helping MSPs and their clients navigate cybersecurity. Cybersecurity is a journey, but it doesn't mean you have to travel alone. I'm your host, Chris Johnson. And before we get started, I would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, IT Pro TV. Looking to keep your techs up to date with the latest IT skills without having to pay for pricey conferences and boot camps? Online IT training is the answer, and IT Pro TV is the market leader. IT Pro TV, online IT training that's so engaging, it's binge worthy. Now, on with the show. Here we go. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of MSP 1337. I'm joined this week by Brian Doyle of VCIO Toolbox. Welcome, Brian. Hey, Chris. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. So I, I love having these, what I've been told is a raw conversation. And as we were prepping to get on this, uh, to start recording, we, we talked about a couple things like, A, what should we talk about for 30 minutes? Um, and, and I already had an agenda, strangely, in my head of how my weekend transpired. I was at Blue Team Con. And for those of you that don't know, it's a, a conference that's focused more on the blue side of sort of the defense model of cybersecurity. And because of some questions that were answered at, at that event, I thought there's no better person to talk about this for 30 minutes than Brian Doyle, because... Everything that we do as MSPs is based on the idea that we're protecting ourselves and our clients, and we either use a framework or other or a client's framework that they are bound by. But ultimately, we're looking at how do we do security. So this episode is compliance in me, for lack of a better title. So Brian, when you and I started talking about this, one of the things that you said that really jumped out is you, you wanted to come at this from an auditor's perspective, and I said, good because I believe that documentation and policies and everything that we can work on, they don't have to be pretty, they just have to be pretty clear. So talk to me a little bit, you, you and I have, have had a history together, uh, VCIO Toolbox and, and why you kind of built that out is really about a way for MSPs and, and uh, our peers to sort of manage this process of the checks and balances between showing proof that you can satisfy a control and then not getting lost in the minutia of saying, oh man, what controls haven't I done? What control, where do I need to focus? All of that jazz. So, so talk to me a little bit about like, just at the high level, you said this before, you've got the, the MSP, we used to call it the, the CTO, the CIO, you were like the, and, and that was bad language because it was like account management and sales, right? Like that's yep. what we associated it with. So obviously cybersecurity has given us an opportunity to sort of reset that mindset with our clients and, and, and even internally. Um, so walk me through a little bit, some of your ideas around, and then like you said, this audit perspective, because yeah. that's ultimately what we end up having to do. Yeah, no doubt. And, and, you know, when you really talk about security, it probably starts from my seat. You know, when we set out to build BCIO Toolbox, it was really to be the tool to help you manage SecOps for your companies, right? Sure. It yeah. really talked about, you know, the performance of that within the company's infrastructure, exactly how your MSP was handling and responding to any new faults or performance issues that were identified, and then be able to report on that in a process like a total uh, technology business review or QBR format. But what became very quickly apparent as we really started working with our MSPs and rolling up our sleeves and understanding a little bit more about their needs 
is they really need an account management tool that spans not only understanding what's being done from the day to day and being able to report on that effectively, but also start looking at these customers that have compliance needs and really make sure that they're helping them prepare for those audits that they're under, gonna undergo to the best of their ability and have evidence to prove it. So really going back to what you said, Chris, not only being able to say they have the controls and they're managing to it, but be able to put some level of proof behind it to say how they're doing that to manage those controls. Yeah. So, so what we've simply seen over the last, you know, call it year, year and a half as cybersecurity has been taking more of a first position within the MSP mindset is that the role of the VCIO and VCSO have really blended together. And the expectation on our customer side, most of them being SMBs is, hey, we've employed you as the MSP. Yeah. Because we've employed you as the MSP, we expect you to hold both those roles. Right. So if you're going out there strictly with an account manager type VCIO mindset, the reality is that resource might not be equipped to guide them deep enough on the VCIO, VCSO talk. And certainly, and I'm sure this will come up in our conversation later, and us as MSPs, we have to bring that compliance conversation in because with all the problems we're having around cyber liability and the ransomware attacks that are proliferating throughout our industry, the reality is we have to have better protection in ourselves, and we do need to know our customers' controls or guide them to those controls in order to really better protect ourselves as well. So you, you, you brought something up that I think is almost... I'm going to say it's profound in in articulating it because Don't I think give me that much credit. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's it's like I think it's on everybody's peripheral right now. It's like if I if I'm looking, I don't have tunnel vision anymore for this, and that is this idea that I'm a managed service provider and we don't do security, right? Or we're not a security service provider. We're not an MSSP. And and obviously you've heard a lot of of talk around this where it's like if you don't evolve into an MSSP, you know the writing's on the wall. You, you know you're going away. Obviously, we know that that's not true because we said this about break fix is going away if you don't become an MSP and there's still plenty of people doing, you know, TNM, right? The thing that scares me is that there's this idea that says, I don't have a responsibility or an obligation to, at the very least, put cybersecurity as paramount in my company as an MSP, that security needs to be addressed in my business, period, because that's what everybody else has to do. Why would we be the exception? So along those lines, I think this is where we, we have the opportunity. And, and you said it, it's about guiding. We don't have to be an expert on cybersecurity to give direction to our staff and our clients when it comes to uh, addressing security controls. And so I think it's interesting because, and maybe we can expand on this a little bit, is what should an MSP actually be responsible for because compliance is neither here nor there. MSPs are currently not bound by some sort of compliance framework, but they are obligated to be secure. And the problem is, and I think this is where, you know, I, I enjoy our conversations is I have to be able to prove it. And what better way to provide proof than using some sort of compliance framework to step through and say, control asset inventory, here you go. Yeah. And, you know, you're hitting it right on the head because what you, you what you started in your conversation there was really about the traditional MSP and their mindset, right? They look at themselves as operational support. Yeah. And when you look at yourself and, I, and, and then they look at the stacks that they put together as their technology solutions as really what guides the security that they implement from a day-to-day -day operational standpoint. Sure. But what, what is being missed is simply understanding what do all those piece parts do? 
Right. Know those piece parts map back to a framework, whatever, pick your framework du jour, but do they map back to a framework and provide the control that needs to be proved at, proven out? And the challenge is, and especially that portion where MSPs have to move to MSSP, when I really look at what that extra S does, it's the, you know, the MSP is the, the operational guys. They're there to support the day-to-day and really get you moving, but you got to become an advisor when yeah. you move up to the MSSP. You've got to have, you know, it's operations versus governance. Now you have to actually look at what's going on and say, is it happening? And is this adhering to the policies we need to be? And you don't have to be a sophisticated cyber technologist or understand every regulation under the covers without understanding just good old common sense. So to your point about, you know, asset inventory, well, hell, you know, I put my first RMM in for those of you that go back to the silverback days, you know, back in 2003 is when we really stepped our toes into the MSP game. You were able to get asset inventories back then, right? So now it's just a matter of how do you manage those inventories as basic hygiene, right? Right. Make sure you don't have end of life out of warranty unsupported assets in your network. And you've already taken one large step into the world of protecting yourself from a cyber attack because you've taken away one point of vulnerabilities. Well, that's the part that makes this, that's the part that makes this really funny. When you think about it, we, we talk, I think this is where we've done a disservice as MSPs to ourselves. We said for a flat monthly fee per user, you get all these things. And in many cases, we don't even break them out. Right. But, you know, antivirus and, you know, you know, ADR type stuff, a lot of that just got kind of rolled in and it really wasn't articulated like, hey, these are security services because to your point, we were providing keep you online and operating, right? Like that's what we had to do to do that. And now because we haven't broken it out, there's some misguided or misunderstandings when we start saying you need these security services. I go back to the the, the days when MSPs, you know, at, what MSP didn't put firewalls in for their clients, right? And the problem was, because I put a firewall in and I set up some rules outside of maybe an occasional firmware update, we really didn't manage the firewall and what it was doing for the client, right? That wasn't, that literally wasn't on our plate. Well, today that's on everybody's plate, especially when you see the stuff that's happening in the news, like with Fortigate and some of these others where they've had vulnerabilities that have caused real problems. So I think that's where I think there's like that step to, to the extra S if you will is when I look at a control for a framework and the controls therein, you could probably take from the 14 categories roughly that most frameworks have, you know, what are the 10 or 15 things that I either need to provide to my clients and myself, or at the very least, I'm partnering with someone to help fill in those gaps. Because like you said, not everybody's going to become an MSSP. And quite honestly, I hope they don't because that level of laser focus as an MSP would become problematic for those that need services rendered when they're like, yeah. we don't do print management anymore because we just do firewalls. Well, I mean, look, even think of how the, the landscape of the MSSPs have really evolved <laughs> over the years. You know, we, most of us built our own help desks and there became a transition into outsourcing that level one because not only was it more effective, but they had better coverage than we could provide, sure. right? And when you start looking at moving into the MSSP world, it's kind of the same thing you're seeing with the outsourced SOC engagements. It really makes right. more sense to lean on those services that can do better reporting, put the right level of skill set, and more importantly, have those senior leaders or senior engineers when a problem does break to really handle and help an incident response. It's being but, creative, yeah, right? Bigger, but it does bigger come decisions. Back to, but it does come back to, 
you have to have a basic knowledge to know what you need and how to guide your customer in the conversation because all those services aren't going to do the, that part with you, the actual meeting with the client. So you've got to understand these compliance frameworks and, and you know, from my standpoint, enough that you can help your customer understand what it means and help your customer understand that just saying you do it is not enough. For an auditor to be happy, right? This is uh, this is where you you can't just say yes or no or na. You've got to actually explain and prove all three of those scenarios, right? Yeah. So and you're seeing that even more with your cyber liability. Yeah, they're getting shocked at the questions that are being asked. Insurance is driving a lot of this right now, even though we should have already been doing it. So, so along those lines, let's let's shift gears a little bit because I think this is where uh, the rubber rubber meets the road with every MSP that's feasibly listening to this. I am an account manager, right? Or I am the yeah, we'll just say account manager. You can put a lot of labels with that, VCIO, whatever, whatever you want to call it. There is this. Um, understanding, I think, throughout, it says that account manager, when they meet, whether it's monthly or quarterly or once a year, is that there's going to be some drivers that involve spending more money. So a lot of businesses that you work with have a tendency to put off. Um, there's a little bit of fear there as to, you know, I don't want to have this meeting because it's going to cost me more money. I think the reality of what we have shifted into with cybersecurity becoming so critical is now less about what we're going to sell you. And it's more about what are you now being required to participate in so that we collectively are, are rowing in the same direction or driving in the same direction. So that, because I think this is the part that gets missed. Failure on the part of the client to follow the guidelines that I give them puts me at risk. And I think that's one of the areas where I've, I've really been excited about leveraging your tool. And I realize we're not, this isn't about products and services no. and, and selling, but like the idea behind whether you're using a spreadsheet or anything else, like, do you know where your most risky clients are and why are they risky? So that when you have that CIO meeting, account management meeting, what's that conversation look like? And I, and I, I feel like you probably yeah. have some thoughts on this. No doubt. I mean, look, you know, look, the tool is the tool. The tool supports a process. So sure. let's talk about the process, right? What should today's account manager be responsible for with the customer first? Let's maybe define that. And then we can get into how that parlays into how we manage our customer and yeah. get them to where they need to be. So when you really look at, you know, what an MSP's obligation should be to a customer, it should be, you know, a couple things. One, we need to understand our customers better to be a better partner to them. A lot of MSPs have really never taken the step of really trying to understand what the customer is driving for and success. What are the goals and challenges they're facing on the way to that success and how that might dictate what needs to go into a technology sure. plan, right? So we need to understand what a customer is doing first and that's kind of the framework first. And by doing that too, you'll be amazed how it changes the way that your customer perceives you because now it really becomes about them. We're trying to understand what they do and we're using that as a benchmark to dictate what we do for them. Then the second step of, of an MSP is making sure you're compliant with what you obligate your customer to. Sure. 50%, maybe even 70% of those road um, are those uh, compliance um, frameworks basically come out of the things that we obligate ourselves to in our MSP contracts if we're doing what we're doing. So we guide people, hey, the QBR is not just an experience for your customer, as an example, or these strategic account meetings are not just for your customer, but it's an opportunity for you to make sure you're being contract compliant to that customer in small things like firmware updates haven't slipped through the cracks, as an example. 
Then there's the part of understanding enough about security to tell the customers what's coming, but not coming at it necessarily from a fear, uncertainty, doubt standpoint. You know, when you talk about that selling conversation and why customers hate it, I'll give you the number one reason. I come into you, Chris, and I tell you it's time to do a firewall upgrade or, Mm -hmm. or, you know, that's what's on the table. And you don't have, you don't necessarily have the budget now, or you don't know if it's really going to bring anything to the party. Sure. And then you tell me, I don't think I want to do that. And then I look at you and say, Hey, you know, if you don't do this, Chris, you might get ransomware or you could potentially get breached or you could potentially have a data loss, but all those are what if scenarios, right? Right. We got to spin. And this is where the account manager has to be better at their job. I have to be working with you in advance of ever presenting a security project to understand what is your version of risk tolerance. Right. If I'm giving you a scale of one to five and you tell me you got to be at a five or your board will fire you because you got to keep those doors locked because they don't ever want to be in the news. Then you tell me that firewall, you're not going to do that project. Then what I'm coming back to you instead of a what if scenario is, hey, Chris, for sure, (laughs) that's cool. If you don't do it, I understand, but understand this, you probably need to downgrade your risk profile because now we've kicked that door a little bit ajar. Yeah. And now we're making it more about them and helping them see very clearly and transparently how these moves impact their bigger picture going back to those goals and strategy. So how does this translate to compliance, right? Yeah. When we look at those compliance frameworks, you're going to see a lot of those compliance frameworks, one, match up to what you provide in your services. So now you've got to have good proof points you can show as evidence. So when an auditor comes in the door and you say, yes, we do test backups monthly, and you put in your narrative that we do this and this is how we do it, that you have a report that you can simply put to them that, you know, as an attachment that says, here's the report that proves it out. You know, I spent a number of years as a data center operator as well, and I was responsible for preparing for audits. It was all about the supporting material, door logs, things like that, that show that your controls are saying what they do. So what we need to guide them into in compliance is, these are the key things that we need to to meet up. And let's also be fair to those customers or to, uh, to the audience as well in this sense. Not all customers are created equal. There's a reason why there's five levels of the CMMC. There's a reason why there's three implementation groups for yep. the CIS. Your first study is where does my customer really fit and where do they need to be? And it's not just based on size. It's based on what they do, right? Yeah, it was funny. I saw someone advertising that helps uh, businesses get CMMC compliant. And it said one, two, three, and maybe four and five. It was in parentheses <laughs> for four and five. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. Because the reality is every organization that you work with from a maturity standpoint starts somewhere and it's probably not five. Nope. And you may not ever need to be in those upper tiers. So like with CIS or, or even doing any sort of NIST mapping, you know, across the five, five points with the five domains. Mm-hmm. I get really excited when I see an MSP that is in the twos on a, on a, on a, out of a five scale, because I, I realize that if they're in the twos, then automation's happening in the organization that there's repeatable process. When I see an organization that comes to me after an assessment and they score a four or above, I have lots of questions because most MSPs never start anywhere above a three. If, if I'm lucky, I've had, I've had two, two threes in two years, in the two years I've been doing the assessment, I've had two threes that, that were above, or sorry, uh, two that were above a three. Um, the rest of them, it was in that two, three, 2.5, 2.7. And it's funny because you're like, oh, well, if I'm at a 2.9 pushing over to the three, that won't take very long. Well, what I find is the areas that they're most efficient are policies, 
compliance, basically the whole domain of governance is lacking or it's missing on things like inventory where they really just don't have a good, they, hey, we're great at recovery. I'm like, you don't know what the asset is. I call BS on that, right? Like we're really good at recovering on the devices that we're aware of. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you kind of touched upon it squarely on that. It's really, you know, that that leap, it's the same as what we say when we're growing our companies, right? Getting to that first million is tough, then getting to five million is tough, then getting to 10 million is tough. But in between right. those areas, we can have some really nice growth, right? right. And, and, it's, and it tends to be easy, but some catalyst has to change in automation being one of them. So when you really look at, you know, how you're operating, I come back to that, that concept of you've got to understand what the controls to support are. And if you know what the controls to support are, then answering the compliance questions becomes very easy and being able to prove it out becomes very easy. But you've got to roll up your sleeves and say to myself, how can I automate these points in order to do that? And how can I make sure that I'm getting feedback when they fail, right? So, so I want to go back and we've got a few minutes left. I want to go back to something that you said, you use the word accountability with regards to the services that an MSP is providing to their clients. So let's just take policies out for a minute. Cause I think policies people get hung up on too. But if I, if I list out in my MSA that says, we're going to provide all these things, then when we talk about security or just operations, this is that time where the, we go back to am I really doing this for you, Mr. Client, or in that we're doing this, but I'm finding in this conversation that you're not following some of the guidance or, hey, you suddenly decided to allow, you know, BYOD or some of these other things to, to get brought into the ecosystem and, hey, you're not following, you know, what, what does this trigger? So talk to me a little bit more about the accountability piece, because I think this is a really powerful statement that says this is less about cost and spend and you know the the business side of this that we all get you know yeah. caught up in and and really about are we meeting the requirements called out in this MSA are we compliant at the very least with that MSA well you know i always put things in the mitigation liability and risk buckets right or or into that category of sure. what does this mean to me if something goes wrong so whatever's in my contract I better be doing because if not, I'm culpable for it on my side, right? That, that's pretty black and white and pretty straightforward. But there is the part that's out of my control. And Absolutely. that is what the account, what the, the customer's accountable for. And what I do see with a lot of MSPs is they don't want to have the tough conversations about where that line in the sand exists with their customers. And they don't yet have that partnership with their customer that they can have that conversation because sure. they're still pursued, perceived maybe a little bit as a commodity vendor, right? So one of the first things you've really got to map out here when you're looking at the controls is what really belongs to me and what belongs to the customer. I can advise you, Chris, and not to pick on policies again, but I can advise you that you need an acceptable use policy. Sure. But if you don't put that in your handbook and enforce it, there's nothing I can do, right? There, there's nothing I can do there. I've made my recommendation. I can maybe prove out I made the recommendation, but the customer is still not going to be compliant from their seat should they get audited because they need to be for a government contract. Let's say. Well, I think this is also the ultimate <clears throat> opportunity for managed service providers because I think by and large, the documentation or for lack of a better word, what needs to be in a policy 
actually happens more often than not in the way we carry out and go about doing business with our clients because, you know, hey, the, the password policy as an example, I can go take a screenshot of what's in the GPO and the properties of, you know, must be X characters, et cetera. We forget that if we have that already, this is about providing evidence to support that. And it, like I say this over and over, it doesn't have to be pretty, just pretty clear. So if I don't have an actual document that says password policy with lots of bullet points and write-up and what framework and controls it maps to, fine. But if I have a document that says our password policy and it's a screenshot of the actual password policy yeah. in AD, that would satisfy most auditors going, hey, let's see your password policy. And go, hey, this is as of this timestamp, that's what we had configured and it's enforced. Yeah. And, and I tell you, and you're spot on with that concept right there, because when I was undergoing my SOC 2 audits back when I was in, the, in that world, that's all they wanted was screenshots, supporting log files. It was not, the effort was gathering. Right. It wasn't hunting. You know what I mean? Most of this information was pretty prevalent and I knew where to go get it. Right. And it's, but the other opportunity I see here is also some, another problem that a lot of MSPs have and try to conquer. How do I get past my point of contact, my designated liaison, if you will, to the C-level if I'm not already there. And these are C-level conversations. When we start talking about compliance, we have to bring the chief you know, executive officer, the chief financial officer sure. of these small to mid-sized companies into that conversation. And now, even though they might not be tech savvy, help them understand what the gaps are in that tech world and what they need to work on. And then that's where you can clearly articulate what's your responsibility and put some milestone dates and say, and you need to get this done by this so we can prove compliance in our next audit and have enough time to measure the control. Yes, yeah, strangely, everybody needs a poem, right? A plan of yeah. action, milestones, right? I, I think it's really interesting about what you just said. I, I think that there is, you talked about, you know, having the, the key stakeholders in this conversation, the CFOs, the CEOs, those kind of, a lot of small businesses obviously don't have those like named seats. It's like owner X, right? Yeah. So what, what I think is interesting about owner X though is, having the conversation that says, Mr. Owner, I need you to take your owner hat off and I need you to put on your CFO hat or your security officer hat. And then when they go, well, I'm not really a security guy. It's like, no, I'm asking you to put this hat on and think about this, not from an owner or a budget standpoint. I'm asking you to think about this from in an ideal world, what should this look like? Because if we have that conversation without those barriers in the conversation, then when you have to put that other hat on, you can go, oh, do I really want to absorb this risk? Do I really want to? Because there is a path that allows me to get out of that, you know, or lower that risk. So when we look at it in the context of, of the future, it's like that poem or that plan of action, right? That I have a plan that says, I don't feel comfortable doing this today financially, but because Brian sat with me, I've made a conscious effort to say, I would like to see us put money aside so that in the third quarter of next year, um, we are making those changes. And obviously you, you, you hope for the best because sometimes you just can't do it financially. Um, but then that rolls it back to, okay, now I'm having that owner conversation and you're saying that financially this isn't doable. Okay, what is doable? What is reasonable for you to do today as we think about what we will do six or 12 months from now? And I think that's the area where I would ask you like, what do you tell a client? I mean, because it's hard for MSPs. I think it's hard for me. I was an MSP to, to be willing to pace, be patient for the 12 months from now, right? Versus, okay, if we're not doing this today, 
then what are we doing and getting that commitment from a client to say yes? So I always say this, right? Life is a marathon, not a sprint. So, and, and, and when it came in, and the beauty of our industry is our clients are the gift that keeps on giving, right? right? We collect a check every month. And when projects come up, we pretty much have a clear path to doing them. Sure. So I, I'm a patient person, right? In that regard, when I look at building a plan with my customer for compliance or really any technology roadmap, it's with an eye on, hey, they're probably not going to be able to bite off everything right now. Yep. And I'll list it, you know, and, and basically you set up the A, B, and C priorities based on need, right? Right. But an A priority might become a C priority for now because there isn't a budget that can support it. But yep. if that's the case, can we elevate some C or B priorities into the A position for this year and get them done with the budget we have while we're figuring out how to bite off the bigger one, right? And the other thing is giving our customers visibility into this earlier. This is why it's such a crucial step in the process meeting with our customers, understanding where they're going, understanding where the gaps are and presenting yeah. that poem because they need to be able to budget and ask in for the future as well. And if they don't really have an accurate grasp on what this is going to cost, is this a hundred, a thousand, a hundred thousand dollar problem, right. then it's impossible for them ever to get there, right? We're never going to get there. We're going to talk about it. They're always going to say it costs too much and we're never going to get the job done. So this is where I go back to, you got to be an part advisor here too. You've got to be comfortable in your own skin to say, look, I'm either the business owner or I'm heading into that direction in my career directory. These are my peers over here. And I'm educating my peer on the subject domain that I have expertise in to let them forge a plan that then meets their company where they are. And oh, by the way, if you can't get there because the revenues just don't support it in your business, now we know it. And if the auditor comes in, they still may not grade us appropriately with us, but they'll at least understand we're not being egregious, right? Yeah. I think that what's interesting is, is the auditors, right? We talk about that right now. And I, and I think it's interesting because in, in our field, by and large, we don't have, you know, auditors like, you know, knocking on the door every day, right? Like that's a Certainly rare Certainly not in the SMB space. No, but we do have breach and breach triggers a lot of things that nobody wants to have happen. So, and for those that are listening, I've, I've gone through enough of these recently to know that this becomes a nightmare when you don't have good documentation or the evidence is, is hard to collect because of, of poor uh, documentation. And I'll just give you the example. So you, you have to go to insurance at some point, usually, right? So as soon as you start talking to insurance, these guys are like, they, they've got a plan dialed in that says, okay, we're going to engage these guys for forensics. We're going to engage this law firm for sort of the, the legal backlash, but, you know, of informing your end users of, of what happened right. and, you know, privacy and all those things. The more defined your path is, the more you can show like, hey, we met with clients so-and-so. This is the timing that we had for this. These bad things still happen. But look, I can show you that we were doing what was reasonable to protect and secure and prevent all those things that we should be doing anyways. But I have proof for it, right? Yeah. Versus yeah. the client that got hit with ransomware and I can't show anything. Well, what you just hit upon there, Chris, too, is that, you know, are you ready for the incident response? And if you're doing everything up front, your incident response plan becomes much more clear, much more easy to execute if God forbid something happens. Because right. you've done the steps right up front. And, you know, I'll take that one step further you're going to start seeing legislation more and more saying that you have to do this too. Yep. So we're headquartered here in Connecticut in the great state of Connecticut, along with Ohio and Utah have already adopted legislation that says in our state, as of October 1st, that if you follow CIS controls or CMMC framework and can prove 
that you've been following those controls and implementing them into your business, you are no longer uh, uh, you know, liable for any punitive damages. Basically safe harbor. Yeah. And that's huge, right? Now the fact that there's a, because def- this is going to help with the insurance problem and everything else, because now Correct. there's a defined scope. Hey, if I have a loss and I can prove my controls, I'm liable for whatever the cost of the loss is. And then whatever the cost of protecting those people whose data got out is. But I'm not responsible for the business that might have gone out of business as a result of this sure. or any of the downstream, which is right. takes a $2 million problem and makes it a $200 million problem. It's funny you mentioned that. So I know PCI is releasing, a, has a major release coming this year. I believe it's fourth quarter. Uh, HECVAT announced that they've got a pretty major update coming in October. I think we're going to see more and more of this. And I think states to some extent are doing a little bit of weight. I think the, the, the five states that are already adopting the, the CIS or CMMC, I don't, I mean, it's not premature, but more, I think we we're seeing in the other states, the other 45 states, they're kind of waiting on some of the dust to settle to go and either pick a framework or, or make more clear what they already have in saying, hey, we're doing the same thing. Doesn't have to be one of these frameworks, but if you follow our guidelines within what we've got established for yeah. PII, et cetera, we're kind of doing the same sort of support model with, with the constituents that live in the state. Um, yeah, this is, this is uh, exciting to hear. I think partly because while no one wants to do policies and procedures or be compliant necessarily with anything because it's work, the reality is without a roadmap, it makes it very difficult to ever not live in fear, right? Because you're always going, did I do what I could to make this, you know, any, anything within my power, was I, was I doing that? And I think when you have a framework and you have guidelines, then you can go, I was doing as best I could with the information that I have and with the guidance I was being given versus I'm stumbling through this like everybody else and I hope for the best. Yep, yep. you well, hit it on the head. Well, Brian, as... As always, I appreciate uh, having you on. This is the first of what I hope is many episodes. Uh, Thanks everybody for listening and have a great week. Thanks, Chris. Had a great time.